Welcome to Renovate, the young adult ministry of Christ Chapel Bible Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We are for all young adults. Whether you're far from God or walking close to Him, we believe that our God fully knows us and fully loves us. So instead of leaving us as He finds us, He is constantly and graciously renovating our lives so we can look more like Him. Enjoy this week's message. Well, good evening. Uh, my name is Josh Story. I have the privilege of being uh, the young adult teaching pastor here at Christ Chapel. It's good to see everybody tonight. Everybody doing all right? Yeah? A good deal. Uh, all right, so we are in uh, the fourth week of a series that we are calling How to Ruin a Perfectly Good Relationship. And if you are uh, just now jumping in with us, uh, the basic idea that we've kind of been walking along is that the reality is that we're pretty good at ruining relationships on our own. The problem is that we don't always know what we do to ruin them, right? Like we know that our relationships aren't exactly what we desire. We know that things might be a little bit more tense than we would like, but we're not always aware of like why, like what's actually going down to, to kind of hinder our relationships from just thriving and flourishing. Uh, and so we've kind of been walking systematically through different things that we do that ruin relationships. Week one, we talked about uh, being a bad friend and how, I mean, kind of who you are as a friend is going to translate into who you are as a spouse. We talked about how we approach being single. We talked last week about uh, isolation and kind of isolating ourselves from others and accountability and community. And tonight, we're going to talk about step four, which is uh, placing your hope in a relationship. Uh, if you want to absolutely tank a relationship, if you want to uh, hinder a relationship's ability to flourish and place your hope in that relationship. Now, um, I want to spend a lot of our time tonight kind of talking about why and kind of what happens when we do. Uh, but I want to kind of start off by just kind of uh, defining some things and explaining some things just to make sure that we're on the same page because um, I'm aware that, that one, that sounds really churchy. Uh, and so, so let's kind of uh, define a few things just so we're on the same, same page. So the first thing that I want to define is what I mean when I say the word hope, right? Because again, hope, very kind of vague, churchy word. Uh, when I say hope, what I mean is that this, it is a belief that a future scenario has the power to fix what we don't like about our current reality, right? Hope is this idea that that's, if I attain something in the future, some, some future scenario actually has the ability and the power and the capacity to change or fix what I don't like about my current reality, right? So, so in the context of, of, of that word, if we are putting our hope in a relationship, it means that our relationship, or we think that a relationship has the power to fix what, what we don't like about our current situation. Right? So, so if you don't like the fact that right now you kind of feel alone, like you feel lonely, then, then with that logic, then a relationship, well, well, a relationship could cure that. A relationship could, could fix that. Right? If you feel unseen or if you feel unattractive, right? putting your hope in a relationship means that, that you believe that a relationship could actually make you feel seen. Right? There, there's all these things that we kind of do to, to put our hope in relationships. Now, um, let me clarify what, I, what I'm not saying in this. Um, I want to make sure that you hear me say, I don't want to demonize healthy desires tonight. Um, and what I mean is that I think that oftentimes when we have these types of conversations, what happens is we can kind of feel like our, our healthy desires are kind of being demonized, and we kind of feel guilty or we feel shame for healthy desires, right? So, so if you're putting your hope in a relationship, the fact that you desire a relationship, that's not the problem. Right? Desiring a relationship is actually a very healthy desire. 
Right? If you just desire someone to walk through life, like that's a, that's a very good, normal, healthy desire. And I don't want you to ever feel guilty or feel shame for wanting a relationship. And so if somewhere along the way you've read a book or you listened to a podcast or you heard someone stand up and, and, and make you feel like you're doing something wrong for just wanting someone to do life with, man, I'm so sorry because that, that's a good, healthy relationship. In fact, we, we see this all over Scripture. In the creation account, we, we see that God creates everything, and then every single time that he creates something, he says that it's good. Right? That it's good. It's incredible. And then the first time that we ever hear God say that something is not good is in Genesis 2.18, and it's up here on the screen. It said that then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Right Now, what's, what's really interesting about this verse is that uh, God kind of put Adam in this garden, right? And this is pre-fall, right? So, so Adam is in this just beautiful, lush oasis. He has access to everything he could possibly want. Plus, since it's before the fall, he has perfect fellowship with God. He has perfect communion, perfect fellowship with God. And even in that scenario, God looks at the man alone and says, that's not ideal. It's not ideal for him to be rocking solo. Like, like I'm, I'm gonna create a helper, and what, what makes this even more amazing is this word helper is this Hebrew word azer. And it's, it's the word that we use to refer to God as our, our help in times of trouble. It's a word that means someone who provides strength or strength is lacking. And so God says, hey, it's not good for man to be alone. I, I'm going to create him an azer. I'm going to create an helper. I'm going to create someone who can come alongside him and provide strength where strength is lacking. And if you know the story, what does God do? God doesn't give him a golden retriever, right? He doesn't give him a bro. It's not like, dude, you need more bro time. That's what you need, right? Like, that's not what he does. No, he, he gives him a spouse. He gives him a wife. Right? He says, I'm going to create, like, so in this moment, God instituted relationships. God instituted uh, marriage. And so if you have a, a, a desire for a spouse, like that, that's a good, healthy desire, right? Um, in Proverbs 18, 22, it famously says that he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Right? Like scripture is clear that, man, if you desire a relationship, if you desire a spouse, like there's nothing wrong with that. That's a good, healthy desire. And so, so before we go any further tonight, I just want to make sure that we're on the same page because I don't want to ever demonize good, healthy desires because if you're putting your hope in a relationship, the problem is not that you desire a relationship. That's, that's simply not the problem, which I think makes us ask another question. Well, if desiring a relationship isn't the problem, then what is? Like, what is the problem? Why is putting my hope in a relationship such a detrimental thing? And the answer is that when we put our hope in a relationship, we are expecting relationships uh, to, to do things or accomplish something that they were never actually built to accomplish. We are expecting our relationships to, to do things or accomplish things that they're simply not able or they simply don't have the power to accomplish, right? Like, um iPhones are phenomenal, right? Like, iPhones do so many amazing things. Um, like, you can, like, like, record and edit a documentary on your iPhone. That's crazy, right? While simultaneously texting someone in South Africa. It's the most phenomenal machine in the world. But if I take my iPhone and I stick it in my front yard, it's not going to mow my yard, right? Why? Because as amazing as it is, it's not built for that. It simply can't accomplish that. Like, and I would be upset if I believed that, that Why? because I'm expecting my iPhone to do something that it was never built to do, right? And I think so often we approach relationships with this idea. We put our hope in them because we believe that our relationships have the ability to accomplish things that they simply can't do, that they're simply not built to do. 
right? And so I want to get really specific about this, and I want to spend the next few uh, moments of our time really diving in and, and trying to figure out, all right, well, if that happens, if, if we believe that relationships can do things that they aren't actually built to do, and we'll talk more about that in a second, what they can do and what they are built to do, but when we put our hope in a relationship, three specific things happen. Three specific things happen. And the first is this. The first is that you'll be tempted to settle. The first is that you'll be tempted to settle. Um, and that might sound backwards, so let, let me explain Putting your hope in something is the idea that a a future scenario has the ability to change or fix what we don't like about our current reality. Then then if we believe that a relationship does it, if a relationship can fix and change what I don't like about right now, then it's going to tempt me to settle because a mediocre relationship is actually better than no relationship, right? Like fixing some of my problems is better than fixing none of my problems, or so we think. So like if we feel lonely, we think, well... The goal then is just to find a person, not like a good person or not someone who's going to love us in a certain way or walk alongside us in a certain way. Like, I just got to find something. I just got to find someone because, because if a relationship has the ability to cure my loneliness, then it doesn't matter who it is. I just have to find someone, right? So what happens is we'll settle for a mediocre or a bad relationship, right? If you believe that, that uh, maybe you're in a place where, I mean, you just crave like financial stability and financial security, and you think that, man, if I can find another person, if I can find a relationship, man, that will cure that, then it doesn't really matter who it is. I just have to find a relationship. And so what happens is oftentimes we find ourselves settling for relationships that are less than because we believe that a mediocre or a bad relationship is better than no relationship at all. And if you find yourself in that position, let, let me just lovingly tell you that you're wrong. No relationship is absolutely better than a bad relationship. It just is. No relationship at all is better than a bad relationship. And I'm not making that up. Scripture is abundantly clear that that's true, right? So let me give you a couple examples of that. Um, Proverbs 21.9 says this. It says, it is better to live in a corner of the housetop than in a house shared with the quarrelsome wife. All right, now, um, I think that runs both ways, all right? So, like, ladies, don't, don't be like, uh-huh, excuse me. Uh, like, that's, like, that's both, right? So, like, I think that works for both spouses, right? But, but don't miss the gravity of what Solomon's saying here. He's saying it is more enjoyable for you to live on the corner of a housetop exposed to the elements, exposed to rain and sleet and snow and heat and cold and monsoons and hurricanes and tornadoes and lightning strikes. It is better for you to live that way than inside a warm, cozy house with a spouse that just wants to fight all the time. He's saying it's better. Like it's undeniably better for you to live exposed to the elements on the corner of a rooftop than it is to actually live inside a house with a spouse that's just wanting to fight all the time. He's saying, don't, don't settle, right? Because there's like no relationship is better than a bad relationship, right? Later in the chapter, it says, it, it says this. It says, it is better to live in a desert land than with a quarrelsome and fretful woman. Also, spouse, right? Just, just in case ladies are like, excuse me, there's, there's a lot of lady bashing going on up here in the Bible. That's not what's happening, I promise. Um, right, again, he's saying, like, it is better, more enjoyable for you to live alone in the desert It is better for you to fight dehydration and heat exhaustion every single day of your life than it is to live inside a house with a spouse 
that's just trying to fight and worry and be anxious. Like, it's just better, right? Like what, like, what the Word of God is saying is, hey, don't settle. Don't settle for a bad relationship just because you want a relationship. Now, um, also, what I think is interesting about this text, these verses are not written to married people, right? If these verses were written to a married person, they would be like, thanks, I'm stuck now. Like, thanks for letting me know after I said I do, right? Like, that's not what's happening. Like, these are verses written to people who are single, people who are still trying to figure out who their spouse is going to be. And so I want to make sure that we take this seriously, that the word of God cares so deeply about us not settling, that there are verses written to us saying, hey, don't settle. But if we believe that a relationship has the ability to fix or change the things that we hate or don't like about our current situation, we'll be tempted to settle because we believe that a bad relationship is better than no relationship at all. And that's simply not true. And so, so the last thing that I want us to do is to settle. But here's the second thing that, that happens when we put our hope in a relationship. You will be consistently disappointed or frustrated. You'll be consistent. You'll consistently, yeah, you'll consistently be disappointed or frustrated. I thought I wrote that wrong. Um, Ecclesiastes 3. Ecclesiastes 3 says that God has placed eternity in the hearts of men. What that means is that we long for the eternal, and we are dissatisfied with anything but the eternal. And the problem with putting our hope in a relationship is that if we believe that it has the ability to change or fix what we don't like about our current reality, it might change it for a moment, but it can't change it forever. It can change it for a moment or maybe for a season, but it can't eternally change what you don't like about your current situation. It can't eternally satisfy you, right? So like if you, again, if you feel alone, like someone can, can make you feel less alone for a moment, but the reality is some of the most lonely people in the world are married. Why? Because a relationship can't eternally satisfy your loneliness. And because loneliness is not about proximity to a person, it's about being known. And when you find yourself in a relationship where you are close in proximity, yet you realize, I don't feel known. I don't really feel like this person even knows who I am. And there is a disappointment and a frustration that takes over because you're like, this, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. And I thought this would, have, this would eternally fix what I wanted. Right? Like if you feel unseen, like having a relationship with someone can, can make you feel more seen for a moment. But then there are these moments along the way where they might say something to you and you're like, do you, do you even know me at all? Then all of a sudden you're right back to feeling unseen. Why? Because a relationship doesn't have the capacity not built for that. It doesn't have the ability to make you feel seen eternally, right? So the reality is that we long for that which is eternal. We are dissatisfied with anything but the eternal. And so if we put our hope in a relationship to fix what we don't like about our current reality, then we will consistently be frustrated or dis disappointed. But here's the third, third thing. The third thing is that you will exhaust the person that you're in relationship with and probably even drive them away. That you will exhaust the person that you're in relationship with and maybe even drive them away. And here's what I mean. If you've ever been on the receiving end of someone's unrealistic expectations, you know that's absolutely exhausting. 
Right? Like that's draining. And, and, and it strains your relationship. I, I don't care if it's a teacher, a boss, a coach, a parent, a friend. Like if, if you are on the receiving end of someone's like just unrealistic expectations of you, it's exhausting, right? Um, when I was uh, in high school, uh, I had a new basketball coach show up, and he was legitimately the best basketball player I've ever met in my life. He was like 6'5", could jump out of the gym, could shoot like Steph Curry, right? Like, I mean, dude was good. He was the, like the Texas 5A State Player of the Year in, in, in high school. He set records in college, and he shows up to our like suburban, small <laughs> private school full of scrawny white kids, and he shows up, and he's trying to like, he's like showing us moves in practice, and he's getting frustrated. He's like, he's, like I don't understand why you can't do that. Like, I don't know why you just can't, can't do it. And it's like, coach, like, we get mistaken for a debate team all the time. Like, <laughs> I don't understand. Like, we look like mathletes, not athletes. I don't, I, don't, I don't get why you're so frustrated with this, coach. Like, look who you're trying to coach, right? And we were just so exhausted because it's like, your expectations of what we can do is unrealistic. Like, we're literally not built to do what you're trying to teach us to do. Like, we just can't. And I remember, like, that was such a strange relationship, right? And the reality is that, that if we really break, break it down, like, we don't like it when people have unrealistic expectations of us. Like, it's, 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 it's exhausting and it strains our relationship. Yet, if we're honest, we oftentimes approach our relationships with crazy expectations, crazy expectations of what we expect the other person to do. Expectations that they can come in and they can fulfill us and satisfy us and they can be everything that we possibly want and need and desire and that they have the power to change what we don't like about our current reality. Right? Something interesting as I was um, studying this week is there's a, a famous marriage counselor named Esther Perel. And uh, she has spent 10 years studying why people stray, why people leave. Um, and uh, she has this famous TED Talk where she explains her fi findings on why people leave. And she explains that, that one of the things that's changed in the way that we approach relationships is that once upon a time, the expectation for a spouse is that they provide and protect. Right? That you just put food on the table and you make sure that we don't get eaten by wolves. Like that's, that's, that's the expectation. Right? And she says, says this in her TED talk, and I thought it was really, really interesting. She says, but something has changed. And she, and she says, quote, we have a romantic ideal in which we've turned to one person to fulfill an endless list of needs. To be my greatest lover, my best friend, lover kind of makes, makes me cringe a little bit. Um, <laughs> to be my greatest lover, my best friend, the best parent, my trusted confidant, my emotional companion, and my intellectual equal. She goes on to say that one of the reasons, and this isn't uh, an excuse, this is just an explanation that she found. She said one of the reasons why pe people stray isn't because they're not in love with their spouse. It's not because they've fallen out of love or they don't find them attractive. One of the reasons why pe people stray is because they can't handle the pressure of being everything. They can't handle the pressure of these unrealistic expectations that just weigh on them. And so oftentimes people leave or they push people away because they're just so exhausted. I'm not built for that. I'm not built to be everything that you need. I'm not built to, to handle or to, to take care of all these needs. Like I'm just not built for that. And I think that what we can realize is that oftentimes we take that, that approach where we view relationships in such a way where we expect a relationship to do things that are just, or a person actually, to do things that they're just not built to do. And that's not to say that we shouldn't um, expect 
good things from our spouses or the people that we're in relationships with. But there's a difference between expecting them to fulfill all of our greatest needs and desires and not. And so the reality is that when we put our hope in a relationship, we're tempted to settle, we're consistently disappointed, and we also run the potential of exhausting the person that we're in relationship and maybe even drive them away. So the question now is, all right, so what do we do instead? Right? Like maybe you hear that and think, okay, that's, that's how I've been operating for a season of my life. Like I, I really find myself in that camp. I mean, what do we do? Like what's the solution? Um, let me give you two practical applications. First, I think that we need to develop realistic expectations for what a relationship can provide. Develop realistic expectations for what a relationship can provide. Oftentimes I hear people talk about expectations and they're like, well, I guess I should just lower my, my expectations. No, 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 don't lower your expectations, but have realistic expectations for what a person or what a relationship can provide, right? And so, so two things that, that I, I would say man, relationships can provide, something that you should look for that, that, that is okay to bank on, one is companionship. And again, that, that word also kind of makes me cringe a little bit, but um, it, it, it captures the, the essence of it. Right? Relationships are really good at providing companionship, providing someone for you to just do life with, to walk alongside, someone to, to be on mission with. Right? So if, if you look to a relationship to fulfill you, to satisfy, to be your hope, to be the thing that saves you from your current reality, that, that might not go well for you. But if you look to a relationship to, to provide someone to do life with, yeah, relationships are really good at that. That's really doable. Relationships can provide companionship. I think that's a good thing for us to look to and, and, and to want, right? Um, when people have asked me over the years, like, like, what was like the moment that you knew that you wanted to marry your wife? And uh, I think they're probably looking for some like really like romantic thing. And the reality is the moment that I knew, like I can still picture it in my mind. Um, it was just a normal night. We were at our favorite little pizza spot in Dallas. And I remember we're sitting at the table and we're just laughing about something stupid, like just so dumb. And I remember sit, sitting there looking at her and thinking, I want to eat pizza and laugh with this girl for as long as she'll let me. Like, that's it. Like, it's not super romantic, but like, I just have fun with this person. There, there, there's, there's a companionship here. There's a, a friendship here that, man, I don't want this friendship to end. Like, I want to just laugh and eat pizza for as long as we possibly can. And it's worked out pretty well. Like, we still laugh and we still eat pizza. Like, mission accomplished, right? Like, that's still a thing, right? Like, my hope was not in her satisfying or fulfilling all of my needs. It's just, man, I'm just looking for a person to eat pizza with. And that's doable, right? And that might sound like a really low bar, but you're not as disappointed as the other things, right? So first thing that I think a, a relationship can actually provide is companionship. I think the second thing that a relationship can provide is sanctification, right? If you're looking for a relationship to sanctify you, you're looking in the right place, right? And if you're unfamiliar with that word, it's just a fancy church word for uh, the process of maturing and growing to look more like Christ, right? But what relationships do is they naturally chisel you. They naturally help you mature, I have grown more in the last year and a half of marriage than I think I have in the last 32 years combined. Because all of a sudden, your sin is on display in a way that it's never been. All of a sudden, you realize, like, I am a wicked sinner. I have, I'm so s selfish and self 
centered in, I, I like, ah, oh, like there's so much that I need to work on, right? And the funny thing is, is, you know, I didn't get married till I was 30 years old. And so I thought that I was like a gift to Haley. I was like, I was like, you know, I've been on this earth for a long time. A lot of maturity, a lot of wisdom. You're welcome. Um, I was waiting for you. And then you show up and it's like, wow, that's 30 years of really bad habits. That's 30 years of immaturity that now I just hit into a wall, right? It's like, but it's the most beautiful, glorious thing where all of a sudden, like there's this great sanctification that's going down, right? Relationships make horrible gods, but they're really good at helping you grow to look more like Christ. And so I think one of the ways that we stop putting our hope in a relationship is we just have realistic expectations of what a relationship can do. We understand that a relationship doesn't have the capacity to to necessarily change my current reality forever, but it's pretty good at providing companionship and it's really good at providing sanctification. And so I think step one is that we just develop realistic expectations of why we're actually seeking relationships. But the second thing that would challenge you to, to do is this is to let Jesus do what only he can do. To let Jesus do what only he can do. And here's what I mean. The problem in putting our hope in a relationship is not that we desire a relationship. The problem is that we're expecting a relationship to do what only Jesus can do. Because when it comes to this this idea that a future scenario has the ability to change a current reality. That's something that's specifically reserved for Jesus, and he's really good at it, right? Um, this verse has actually been on my mind for the last few weeks because I love the way that it, that, that it describes the love of God for us. And in verse 1 of Isaiah 55, it says, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast love, the sure love for David. What I love about this passage is God is saying to his people, he's saying to us, he's saying, hey, I know that you have needs. I know that you have wants. I know that you have desires. I know that you're tired. I know that you're hungry. I know that you're thirsty. Hey, come to me with that. Come and and eat and drink and have your fill. Come be satisfied. And and it's free. Come without money. Come without anything that you have to offer. Just just come and, and be satisfied as with rich food. Then I love what he says in verse verse two. He says, Why? Why do you spend your money on that which is not bread and your labor on that which does not satisfy? What he's saying is like, why do you spend all this time and energy running to things that don't actually have the power to satisfy you? Why are you trying to find satisfaction and fulfillment in things that don't even have the ability to do that? And what he says next is about relationship. He invites us into relationship. He says, no, come to me. He says, listen to me. Incline your ear. Come to me here that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant. The solution to our weariness, our longing for, for something to change, longing to be fulfilled, longing to be satisfied, is a relationship. But it's not a relationship with 
a guy or a girl. It's not a relationship that involves kind of what we think of. It's a relationship with the God of the universe that's made possible through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. It's this covenant that, that, that God says, hey, you long for something that's going to satisfy, and you're not fi- finding it, but I've got you. Come to me, and I'm going to make a covenant. I'm going to enter into relationship with you in such a way that you are going to be satisfied as if you're eating rich food, as if you're sitting at a feast and you have all you can eat and drink, and it's free. That's what I want with you. And I love the poetry here. I love the, the, the poetic imagery. And I think it's oftentimes easy to think, well, yeah, that sounds really beautiful, but is that like a reality? It is. It is because the beauty of what Christ has done for us on the cross is that that covenant is available. That relationship with us is available. And the beauty of the gospel is that it has the power to, to change everything that, that we're dissatisfied with. Right, if you feel alone, the gospel says that because of what Christ has done on the cross through his death, burial, and resurrection, there is a God who promises that he's never going to leave you nor forsake you. God who says, I'm not going anywhere. I sent my son to die on your behalf to prove to you that, that, that I'm right here. I'm not going anywhere. Right, if you feel unseen and you long for, for, for something to change so that you no longer feel unseen, the gospel says, I see you. The gospel says that the God of the universe looked down and he sees you. He knows you and he still sent his son for you. He says, I know all of your sin. I know all of your shame. I know all the things that bring you shame. And I still want relationship with you. I see you. Right? If you long for stability, if you just feel like life is flailing, what you need is a relationship. The gospel says that there is a God who has you and nothing can pluck you out of his hand. That because of what Christ has done, there is eternal security, eternal stability because of what Christ has done. The reality is that there is something that Jesus can do that no one else can do. And my hope in all of this, and again, maybe you've heard so many sermons in your life about putting your hope in the Lord. And you've just heard it so often and it's kind of becoming white noise. Just because you've heard it a thousand times doesn't make it any less true. And the reality is that there is a God who loves you, who loves you despite you, and a God who says you can search the world over and you can run from relationship to relationship. You can run from person to person trying to find the thing that's going to satisfy the deep longings in your soul, and you're not going to find them because they're not built for it. But if you come to me, if you chase after me, if you find your rest in me, you will find satisfaction for your weary soul because that's what he does. So my hope in all of this is that we are people that that understand um, the beauty of what relationships are, that that have healthy desires for a spouse, someone to walk alongside with, someone to to do mission with, but that we understand what relationships can do, what they can't do, that we put them in the proper place, that we find our hope in a relationship, but in a relationship with Christ. That's my hope. Let me pray. Father, you are good. And your word says that you are all satisfying. And to be completely honest, Father, 
there are so many moments in life, at least that I've experienced, where I hear the word preached, I hear that you satisfy, but I don't feel it. Because what I really, really want, I don't have. So Father, my hope tonight is that for those of us in the room who have a hard time experiencing the satisfaction that comes with knowing you, walking alongside you, that you open our eyes, that you draw near to us, that you allow us to experience the satisfaction that comes from knowing you. Because God, the reality is that you and you alone can satisfy. So Father, may we be a people that find our hope in you and you alone because we have the power to actually change our current reality. It's just we pray. Amen. Our hope is not in another person that we know, date, or marry. It can never be. And Josh did a wonderful job of outlining the only place where we can truly find hope and that is in Jesus. We are so tempted to make much of relationships because it's the air we breathe, it's the culture around us. But may we make much of Jesus instead. If that is something that's foreign to you and you need to know how to start putting your hope in Jesus, or you feel stuck and you need some counsel or encouragement along the way, reach out to us at renovateftw.org or on social media at renovateftw. And that is a conversation we would love to have with you. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. We pray your week is marked by a hope in Christ.